Hi, this is Pastor Wade Floyd coming to you from First United Methodist Church of Lake Jackson. This is our weekly message. We're so glad that you have joined us. We hope this message will bless you. As we uh, step further into Lent here, uh, we had a great um, Ash Wednesday service um, over at Chapelwood on Wednesday. Thanks for everyone who was there. It was just a beautiful time to worship together um, with the other Methodists in the area. Um, and as we step further into Lent today, uh, we are starting a new sermon series. And in this sermon series, we're going to be looking at several of the covenants found in the Bible. A covenant is a, a promise or promises that are made between two parties. And the keeping of the promises is often marked in some way, with some type of symbol. The covenants we're going to be looking at during uh, this sermon series are uh, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the New covenant. There are two basic types of covenant found in the Bible. There are those that are conditional and those that are unconditional. And they sound like that they are as they sound like. The conditional covenants are those that have conditions on them. That God will uh, do the promises that God made as long as the people do as they have been asked to do. Now, of the covenants we're going to be looking at, the only one that is conditional is the Mosaic Covenant. And so when we think about the law, we think about it in that way. If the people of Israel do as God asks them to do to fulfill the laws, God will bless them. If they don't, then there are repercussions. On the unconditional side, it is uh, different from conditional in that when God makes those unconditional covenants, God is saying, I am going to do this no matter what. So it is an unconditional promise to say, I am going to do this. Um, I will fulfill this covenant no matter what you do. And uh, it's very powerful. Now we're going to set aside the conditional covenants. We'll come back to those later when we talk about Moses and the law. And today we're going to look at the Noahic covenant. Uh, this is found um, in the early pages of the Bible. If you can see, I'm all the way back uh, just nine chapters into the Bible here, uh, we'll be in Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Please hear now the reading of God's holy word. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living thing that is with you the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow 
in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for your word. We ask that you would open our hearts, open our minds. Let us hear from you today. Let my words be of you. Amen. So as we're looking at this covenant, we kind of need to back up a little bit. We need to explore the context a little bit, and uh, as we did with the, the kiddos for the discipleship, young discipleship time, we need to look at the story of Noah. And I think one of the values of doing so, one of the values of looking at not only Noah, but the other stories that we're going to look at, is that they are stories that often we are familiar with, that they are stories that we heard when we were young disciples ourselves. Um, those, those times when we were in vacation Bible school. And so, and really, the story of Noah and the ark is one of the most familiar stories in all of the Bible. And I think sometimes when the story is so well known, the details often get lost in the wash. Now, we are all familiar with the basics of this story. Things had gotten bad on earth. In fact, they had gotten so bad that God decided to flood the earth. God picked out Noah and his family to carry on life upon the earth. Noah and his family built a large ship that we call an ark and filled it with animals. The flood comes and the flood abates. We'll come back to those in just a minute. Now let's look at uh, some of these aspects, um, and it'll give us greater clarity. What would upset God so much that a great flood was deemed appropriate? There are many answers that I have heard over the years, um, but I think that the full answer lies in the fact that when God created it all, everything was in chaos. And out of this chaos, God created order in things. We see that in creation. That in the first day, God made light, God set up things. And then as it goes throughout the six days of creation, God orders creation in a certain way. Now on the earth, things were going back to being chaotic. Things had gotten so bad, they were going back into the chaos and God said, I need to reorder things. I need to get things back into an orderly state. Have you ever uh, had somebody come over to say, hey, we're going to come over for, is it okay if we come over for dinner tonight and your house is a mess and you start to put things everywhere and you're sweeping and you're mopping and you're doing everything? 
This is God kind of doing that in his own way. God is doing a clean slate. God is reordering things through the flood. But before the flood happened, God wanted creation to continue. God had created it all, and he wanted the creation to continue. God wasn't throwing everything away. He was trying to bring recreation. He wasn't trying to just destroy everything. And so in restoring creation, uh, God started backwards. So in the creation story, God made uh, the, the, the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea. We didn't really need to worry about the fish since the flood was coming. But so the birds and then the land animals and then humans. And so God is kind of going backwards. He starts with the humans and then goes to the land animals and the birds. The humans that God chose to continue life on, to continue the, the humanity, were Noah and his family. Noah had three sons, and so it was not just Noah and his wife, but also uh, his three sons and uh, his daughters-in-law as well. And what we are told about Noah, what made Noah so special, is these three things. He found favor with God, he walked with God, and he had a right relationship with God. Put another way, God was fond of Noah and asked him to build the ark and fill it with animals. Now, he undertook this task with his wife, sons, and daughters-in-law, and we can put those pictures up. Um, the ark itself was about 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Now, I know you're, you're, you're getting your cubit ruler out right now, and you're counting it in your head how long that is. A cubit is about uh, 18 inches. It's uh, the length of a forearm, they say. Um, and so uh, the ark was around 450 feet long, um, which is the size of, around the size of two um, 747s. Uh, the capacity there says that uh, it could fit around 100, a little bit over 125 sheep-sized animals. Now, why they chose a sheep-sized animal, I don't know. That's just the way they did it for this one. Now, on, there's an, is there another picture? Yes. So on there, so we can see the width, uh, the height there, and the length. Um, and so it's about uh, as long as one and a half football fields, 450 feet long there. The width is uh, the width of two school buses. And then the height, you can't really see it up there. It's really small, but it has three giraffes up there. And so about three giraffes in the volume of about 483 semi-trailers. So big, very large ship. Um, really the largest vessel seen until still holds ships in the last 170 years or so. As they built the ark, Noah's family is asked to get two of every animal, but also seven pairs of uh, what were considered clean animals. Josiah, I love my son. He stole my thunder there. I was going to wow and impress y'all this morning by telling y'all about the seven. So he was listening when I told him that whenever that was. But 
two of every animal. And so the clean versus unclean, really you can boil that down to the fact that uh, the clean animals were those that, that were able to be eaten under the kosher laws, and the other animals, the unclean animals, were those that you would not eat. And so some examples of each, uh, the kosher kind of animals, the clean animals would be cows, sheep, um, and, and these types of animals. Those that, that were not are uh, camels, pigs, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, right? Um, and so those are the ones you wouldn't eat. So after building the ark, which there's a, a whole like debate about how long it took, and I don't want to get into that, but uh, it took a while. Now, after doing that and getting the animals in there, along with the food necessary for the journey, it started to rain. And when it started to rain, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, another thing we're familiar with. But that rain stuck around for a while. In fact, the, uh, Noah and his family and the, all, all of the creatures were on the ark, it says, for a little bit over a year, for 375 days to be exact. So a year and 10 days. That's a long time to be um, on a ship. I've never been on one that long, but I am sure that was uh, very cramped after a while. Now, after they came out of the ark, God comes to Noah and his family, and he speaks this covenant which we heard this morning, the covenant which Noah is known for. God tells Noah that the covenant is not just for he and his family, but a promise the Lord is making to all of creation. It says in there, this isn't just, this is between me and your family, but also to all of the animals, to all of creation. And so it's something, it's one of the covenants in the Bible that is for everyone. It's for all of humanity. The promise that God makes is to never to destroy or to restore creation in the way that he did. To never uh, come and do a great flood like this and, and clean the slate like this. To help humanity and all the earth and God to remember this promise. Because God says, I will remember my promise when I see this. Uh, God put a bow in the sky as a symbol and a sign. We call the bow that God created in the sky a rainbow because we see it after the rain. And so uh, every time we see a rainbow, you see a promise made to us by God. Now, the promise that God made here uh, to humanity through this covenant is an unconditional covenant. And we remember that unconditional covenants are one where God makes a promise and keeps the promise no matter what. Meaning that when we see a rainbow, we can stand on the promise that was made long ago, that God would never, will never fully flood the earth. What God did in the flood was to restore creation. It was going back into chaos, and God brought it back into order. What God promises in the rainbow is to restore creation in the future from that point forward in a less, in a different way, in a less violent way. Because as the Bible progressed and as time progressed in general, God stayed engaged in creation. 
the God that we worship isn't a God that made it all and then kind of disappears and comes back whenever. God has stayed engaged in his creation since God created it all and has continued to restore creation by other means. Many of the other people and the covenants that we are going to encounter in this sermon series will show how God sought to restore creation in a different way going forward, that God would continue to work on his creation, but he would never again flood his creation. Now we see some of this chaos that is talked about um, in, uh, before the flood. We see it every day. This past week we had uh, the shooting up in Houston at the Lakewood uh, church there where Joel Steen is at, and we had the shooting up in Angleton this last week. Corruption is around us. Chaos is around us. Evil is around us. In our world today, uh, we see it all the time. The same as before the flood and after the flood, and at any point in human history, evil is still here. Corruption, chaos is still here. But we don't have to be weighed down by that. We don't have to stay in a place where the evil and corruption uh, is, is all that we see. Nor do we need a flood or, or a throwing away of the bathwater or some other event to be part of the solution to create order out of that chaos. Instead, we can each be part of God's restoration plan, his renewal plan, now and in the future. God speaks of a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation. And new in this way doesn't mean tearing down the old so that the new can come. It's more about fixing what is here now. It's about restoring creation. It's about renewing creation. For us, it means moving away from a disposable consumer me-centric attitude to a selfless, sacrificial, kingdom-building attitude. So how can we be part of making things new, be a part of God's uh, wanting to restore and renew creation? We can do this by helping others, by showing them a community that seeks to live out the way of Jesus, by using what we have to bring heaven to earth. A few examples that we have going on once a month or once uh, a quarter or so uh, is we have our third Sunday food drive. We do that each month. We give school supplies. We do that each semester. Uh, last week, we had the bread out there, making and giving of bread uh, to others, as many did last week. That was a beautiful way that I saw creation renewed and God's uh, promise being fulfilled there. It sounds simple, but I think it's in the simple acts that show the world that there is more to it than meets the eye. There's more to it than the corruption, that the chaos, the evil that is out there. That there is a God that loves us. There is a God that loves them and wants better for them and wants to make all things new, wants to bring renewal and restoration to the, this and we, his creation. So be a rainbow for people. Be a shining example of God's plans and promises, and say yes to helping God make all things new. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. 
Lord, we give you thanks and praise for uh, your promises to us. We see that fully um, in the rainbow that you made after this great storm, Lord. We see it as you lead us each and every day, Lord. Help us to look for you, to look how you are making things new in our lives, in our world, Lord. Let us partner with you in those ways. Let us go forth and know that we are yours and you are ours. Lord, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly sermon message. We hope this, this has blessed you in some way. Please see our notes below for if you have a prayer request or if you would like to learn more about our church.